Nothing whatsoever to do with the sermon. Uh, just to review the handout that's in your bulletin is to give to someone who's new to our city. We'll post these in motels around town. We're looking for a better version of the map to put here. That comes out a little clearer when you print. Um, the Institute for American Church Growth asked 10,000 people about their pilgrimage. The question was asked, what led them to church? 2% said they had a special need. 3% said they walked in. 6%, this is very humbling, <laughs> said they started going to church because they liked the pastor. <laughs> uh, 1% were visited by church members on visitation, door knocking. 5% uh, were in Sunday school. I guess they got picked up on buses. 5% through evangelistic crusade. Hey, look out, Billy Graham. Pastor's got one up on you. 3% came because of a special program and stuck. Uh, but 75% of the people that began going to church, according to this survey, started going because they were invited by a friend or a relative. So y'all are the best advertising there is. Amen. Word of mouth. I'd like to speak to you this morning on discipleship. Call this little series Disciples. Beginning by focusing on the discipleship of Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon Johnson, Simon the son of Jonah. You found John chapter 1. My goal today is to encourage everyone, especially that sister or brother who's on fire for the Lord one day and then not the next. And maybe you've lived with a sense of shame or guilt. Well, today you're going to see that you're in good company, and I hope to encourage you to step out and follow the Lord with your whole heart. And so we're going to look at the life of Peter as he began to follow Jesus. The four Gospels, or the four biographies of Jesus, are named after the men that are credited with writing them, and... Um, they, they do not necessarily fit in with each other chronologically. So I'm not playing hopscotch with the Bible to come up with a weird doctrine. I sincerely say that what I'm sharing with you, I believe, is a truth. So we'll look at John 1, verse 35 through 43. It's talking about John the Baptist's ministry. He's baptizing people, leading them to repentance, preparing them for the coming of the Messiah who he said was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And he, when he saw Jesus, he would point him out and said, this is the guy. Verse 35 of John 1 says, Again, the next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? In other words, you know, we, we want to get with you sometime. Where are you staying if this isn't convenient, I guess? He said to them, Come and see. So it was convenient. 
They came and saw where he was staying, and there remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour, which I believe is uh, probably four o'clock in the afternoon, the first hour being six o'clock, third hour being nine o'clock. You just count the hours. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. And they're just spending time with the one that John said was the Lamb of God. One of the two who heard John speak, verse 40, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And they brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, or in Hebrew, Bar-Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which in Aramaic is the word kepha, which means a rock. In Greek, it's Petros. Or, so you translate kepha into English, it becomes Cepha or Cephas. Translate Petros into English, it becomes Peter, which is translated a stone. Um, Luke 6.14 says that Jesus named Simon Peter. So you've got to understand they've got multiple languages going on here. Verse 43, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So what we see here is there's uh, the ministry of John the Baptist, powerful man of God, awesome prophet, uh, leading people to repentance and having disciples. That is, people who were following him, had a close relationship with him, and were taking everything he had to say seriously because they wanted to see the Messiah. And so when John points him out, Two of these disciples begin to follow Jesus. They leave John behind, begin to follow him. And one of them is Andrew, who happen to ha happens to have a brother at home named Simon. So he goes home and tells him and brings him to Jesus. And Jesus gives Simon a whole new name. We see this several times in the Bible. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. Saul becomes Paul. Simon becomes Peter. We all uh, if we've not yet received a new name, we'll receive one in heaven. I believe that. That's what the Bible says. He's given us a new name. There's a new name written down in glory. So if your name is Jesse James, take heart. You've got a better name coming. In India, um, the Hindu religion holds the people in bondage to castes, C-A-S-T-E-S, and you are held permanently in the cast in which you're in, and you can only get jobs. They're, they're, they're making exceptions to this more and more, but primarily you can only get jobs within your, what your cast is credited with doing. The lowest cast is called the untouchables or the Dalits. And Hindu law only allows the Dalits to have one name. And they're derogatory names that they're allowed to have, like dung and stupid and dumb and and slave and things like that. And so the Dalits are leaving Hinduism, becoming Christians or Buddhists or something else because they're tired of being oppressed. So here Jesus speaks such acceptance to Peter, he gives him a new name, a rock. Some have said Simon means a reed. I haven't, I've yet to find that uh, proven in, in um, Scripture or in a Bible dictionary, but... If Simon means a reed, a reed is something that's easily blown by the wind. It reacts to circumstances. Well, a rock is just a rock. If you ever had a pet rock, it wasn't much fun. So he's speaking stability and solidity to this man. And so you read this and you think on the surface, oh, this is when 
Simon Peter became a follower of Jesus. Today he gave him a new name. Well, stay with me. In Matthew 4 and Mark 1 is the same story. Let's look at Mark 1. We won't go to Matthew 4. You can look at that later. Mark 1, verse 14. So keep in mind, John 1 has John the Baptist pointing out Jesus. Mark 1 has John the Baptist being thrown in prison. So this definitely happened after the pointing out of Jesus to Simon. Verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus spoke to them, said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their notes left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So reading that on the surface, you think that really is unusual, that these guys would just leave everything behind and follow this complete stranger. But he wasn't a complete stranger. They had met him earlier, before John was thrown into prison. Are you able to see that? So they met Jesus, they're introduced to Jesus, but they didn't become devoted followers of Jesus yet. And here an an invitation is extended and they follow it. They leave their stuff. So he's now a disciple, right? Well, hold on. Let's look at Luke chapter... Well, actually, let's look at uh, John, Mark 1, verse 29. So So they're beginning to follow Jesus. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law becomes becomes ill. And Jesus heals her. And we'll see this here in Mark 1. And you can also find this story in Matthew 8. Verse 29 of Mark 1. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, that would be his mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them. Now they are pretty sure in Israel that they have found this very house where this happened. Except it's no longer a house, it's just the foundation. And the Roman Catholic Church has built a shrine over it, actually a church over this house that has a glass floor. So you can go in and worship where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and you can look down through the floor and see the outline of a foundation for a house, kind of a pyramid. You can see the, the beams laid out for the house, the stones that were put in the ground. It's very interesting. So they begin to follow Jesus and they get blessed. Who would agree it's good to have a healthy mother-in-law? 
great. Tell your neighbor, if you follow Jesus, you'll be blessed. But you know what? It's hard, too. Because following Jesus requires faith. It's not. And I'm going to show you where they're not exactly following him with their whole heart yet. So keep in mind, mother-in-law has been healed. Now let's look at the story of the mother-in-law being healed in Luke and see what happens afterward. Luke chapter 4. Verse 38. Pardon me for not putting these scriptures on the screen. It's just they're such long things to cram it into the slides would just be a lot of distraction for you. And I want you to see this in your Bibles. Verse 38 of Luke 4, Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. So wonderful things are happening when you follow Jesus, and you see wonderful things that are happening. But keep in mind, you've got to have faith to follow Jesus. And it's not easy living by faith. All right, look at the next chapter. Um, well, no, no, let's go ahead and continue and see what these mighty miracles are happening. Verse 41. The demons came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. Verse 42. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Jesus preached the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And this message, I think, has been lost a little bit in our American Christian culture. They are living under an evil kingdom physically. Uh, The Roman Empire was very oppressive. Um, their taxes were unbelievable. Uh, I won't say what I've heard they were because I haven't, I have yet to see it documented, but uh, very oppressive. And Christ comes and preaches a new kingdom. It gets their attention, but he's talking about a spiritual kingdom where God rules in the hearts of his people. He writes his laws in their hearts. He brings a change and, and um, wreaks havoc to the spiritual kingdom of darkness you see people being healed demons being cast out this is a wonderful thing for people horrible thing for the forces of evil horrible and so they were definitely upset at him and were behind what eventually happened when christ was crucified so they're seeing great things happen hearing the gospel of the kingdom being preached the very next verse is in luke 5 the next chapter So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Who were these fishermen? Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. 
Oh, his boat just happened to be there. Interesting. And asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So here's thousands of people to hear him. And he uses water to project his voice as well as a place to sit while he's teaching. Uh, The Sea of Galilee, the Gennesaret area, is the lowest freshwater lake elevation-wise on the face of the planet. The Dead Sea is lower, but it's not freshwater. Nothing leaves it, so it's just full of minerals. and uh, It's so rich in minerals it will kill you if you drink it. But here, with this low elevation, there's a natural phenomenon called acoustical meadows that surround this lake. There's areas where you can stand in a grassy field on the banks of this lake and speak like, speak like this and be heard 100 yards away. So Jesus is not only resting, but he's, he's using nat- nature to convey his message. And I like to think when God made stuff, he used his hands and pushed his thumb, said, all right, I'm going to preach the gospel there. But that's, that's just me talking. So verse 3, he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So they were helping Jesus, but at night they're they're, they're fishing all night long. What are they doing? I think being there by the lake, it was a temptation to go back to what was they were accustomed to. This faith thing wasn't easy. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, verse 8, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Why did he say that? I think there had been some turning back. Jesus had said, follow me. And they had left their nets and followed him. But here they are. They had been fishing all night long. You able to see that? All right, verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Oh, they had turned back too. No doubt Andrew was part of the picture. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, my my point in sharing the chronological order of Peter becoming a disciple is to encourage you and I. Sometimes in the Christian life, we fall back into stuff. The Bible warns not to go back to our old ways. It's like a dog going back to his vomit. Uh, When a dog eats his vomit, he eats what he ate in the past. Many times when we stop following Jesus closely, we are tempted to go back to what we had drawn fulfillment from, here in his case it was provision from, that had been dependable in the past. We go back to old idols, old ways. 
But I want to encourage you today. The Lord still hasn't changed His calling. His gifts and His callings are without repentance. He does not recant. He has predestined you and all of us before the foundation of the world that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus told those guys, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Oh, but pastor, you don't know. I've fallen back one too many times and God's not going to give me another chance and I'm just going to be a has-been. I hope I'm going to heaven. Don't listen to that malarkey. The call is now that you have given him your life, he, and you, you, know, you haven't recanted on what you told him, the Father's after you. He's after your heart. He's after the whole person. He's after all of me. We used to sing a song back in the 70s, Jesus, be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. We say that together. Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. What has the Lord called you to do that you stop? Because maybe it didn't happen soon enough. Maybe you didn't count the cost. Maybe you tasted some of the Lord's blessings and because you fell back or drifted back or stepped away from the full devotion of the Lord, you don't feel worthy to come back because after all, He did great things for me. He healed my mother-in-law, Peter could have said. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. Look at him. He said, depart from me. You know, leave me alone. I'm not worthy of this kind of blessing. I want to encourage you today. The Lord loves you. He cares for you. He's after your heart. He knew. Sometimes Christians fuss as as to what predestination means, but none of us fuss on foreknowledge. So he's not surprised. He can get angry, but when God gets angry, it's for our benefit. You know, man, that's going to hurt you. So here... They forsake all and follow him. The next Sunday or two, we're going to look a little more Peter's life in depth. And we're going to see as he follows him, he's got a whole lot to learn. (laughs) Because following Jesus can be hard. Following Jesus is awesome. Following Jesus can be difficult. And when it is difficult, that's where faith comes in. You have to remember what he said. Now, in the manuscripts of the life of, in the manuscripts that from which we get the New Testament, there's slight variations in um, in words here and there, but never a variation that would dilute the message or change it. Uh, In your King James Bible, Jesus said, let down the nets. Peter said, at your word, I'll let down the net. More modern translations that use older manuscripts says, let down your nets, so he let down the nets. So if we were a King James only church, we could preach, Peter didn't 
didn't um, obey Jesus completely. He let down one net and it almost destroyed his net. Well, it did destroy his net. It almost sank three boats. The point is, he responded to the Lord. He didn't say, no, I ain't doing it. When it comes to God, never say never. Never say never. Say, okay, I'll try. If it's just a net or a net, that's not the point. The point is, make an effort and the Lord will bless your obedience. He will. My final point, failing at following Jesus does not mean you cannot start over. You can. How, how do we learn to walk? My parents say I was almost two before I learned to walk. I think being the eldest grandson on both sides of the family, being at a Bible school filled with young adults when I was born, they was just being carried around everywhere. Why walk? Yes, pick me up. So, But knowing my nature, I hate pain. I just hate pain. I have a motorcycle and I don't ride it 99% of the time. I don't want to wreck. I hate pain. But but pain teaches us something. I learned to walk. You learn to walk by learning how to fall, right? You learn to walk by not wanting to fall. Could it be that all your stumblings and failures can become stepping stones if you heed the Lord's call again? Could it be? Could it be that your stumbling stones can become actually stepping stones where you can point them out to younger followers of Christ. So oh, watch out for that. I tripped over that one. You don't want to go there. Amen. This is a monument to the Maggies in Dublin, Ireland. A tradition developed over the centuries in the Roman Catholic Church that Mary Magdalene, the woman out of whom Jesus cast seven devils, the woman who was one of the first to see him as resurrected, woman who served his ministry, became a follower of him. Uh, the tradition developed saying that she was the prostitute that uh, washed his feet with her hair. Personally, I believe there was more than one woman that did that. Such an extreme act of worship and devotion. But the tradition developed saying Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. All right? Here's what the Maggies were. They started about 150 years ago as an outreach of the Catholic Church to prostitutes and wayward girls and unwed mothers to help them be rehabilitated, to shelter them and protect them. It started with a noble purpose. But who would agree sometimes as the years go on and generation from generation passes on, uh, traditions are preserved, but the heart gets lost. And over time it became just a cold-hearted institution that moved from restoration to rehabilitation to punishment. These girls need penance. And... Up until uh, a few years ago, it was not 
it was not apparent to the public that it was basically slave labor. What had started out as a beautiful vision became bondage. They need to do penance for what they've done so they'll learn their lesson. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm so thankful for communion where we celebrate the broken body of Christ. He did penance for me. I do repentance for Him. Turn from my wayward ways and follow Him and devote myself to Him. And He forgives me and I can start again. But this business, you need to do 49 Hail Marys and 13 Our Fathers and go see this, that, or the other. That's ridiculous. Anyway, out of that tradition came these girls need to work in our laundries. And the Magdalene laundries were established in convents. And in 1993, a convent sold an acreage, uh, did a commercial sale, and they had to exhume the bodies of 130-some of these girls that had died there working as slaves. Their children had been taken away from them and put into other institutions. Not bashing the Catholic Church today, I'm just telling you, this is what happens when the church gets in the shame business. I understand the dangers of being evil and shameless. But I'm telling you, what changes our life is the conviction for sin, not shame. Shame is like condemnation. It will immobilize you, create hopelessness. This monument, this is all that's to these hundreds of girls over 150 years that uh, I'm sure in the beginning they weren't in bondage, but what evolved into something evil got shut down is this bench to remember these girls. And the plaque reads, to the women who worked in the Magdalene Laundry Institutions and to the children born to some members of those communities reflect here upon their lives. I say that's not enough. Reflect upon the danger of expecting people to toe the line as you define it and meeting out punishments for others before they're worthy of your love and acceptance. I think, I don't want to go to an extreme here, but I think shame is overrated. It's time to put shame on our shame. Shame on shame. And to begin to follow Jesus. Shame makes us tell Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Conviction makes us say, forgive me, I'm a sinful man. You see the difference. So I'm going to end here this morning. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I pray that this simple word would create hope in the heart of that one person or two persons or all of us where we've not followed you wholeheartedly. We've shrunk back and we've lived with a sense of shame for that. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name, that you would bring hope and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. I ministered last Sunday at a little church in Irving that's pastored by Jim Smith, Ken and Barbara's son. Jim Smith would tell you what I'm about to tell you. He's told me this many times that he attempted to follow the Lord and would fall into uh, addictions. Attempt to follow the Lord and fall back into addictions. It was a cycle. Wanting to be a disciple, but going back to what he had depended on in the past. And one day he found himself in rehab. And there something clicked. And he came out, it's been several years now, of him walking in freedom. And has been a very productive disciple of the Lord. There was a congregation of 25 people I saw there Sunday night. That's a testimony to the grace of our God. That if we will follow him with our whole heart and not walk in shame, but receive his forgiveness by faith and learn from our stumbling stones, turning them into stepping stones, We'll begin to follow him. I, I have a challenge for you. I, I want you to come the next two Sundays. I am convinced that we can help you. Come the next two Sundays, and some of these cycles will be broken. I declare that by faith in the name of Jesus. Uh, I've got some inside information. Know where I'm heading. You can be a fulfilled disciple of the Lord. Yeah, you can. Because you're looking at a guy that fell back a whole bunch of times and things started clicking. And I had my depart from me, I'm a wicked man moments. And the Lord brought restoration. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I'd like to call the ministry team forward. If you if we could just line up line up across the front. We're here to pray with you about anything. Maybe it's in reference to the sermon. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's in reference to a need or a desire to pray for a specific thing. Or maybe you're facing a decision. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or for the millionth time. We're here to pray with you. So as Lois, if you could put on some ministry music, we'll do it. I just want to pray a general prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that your spirit would draw your people who need to receive prayer today to do so. I pray, Lord, as we pray with our brothers and sisters, that you would equip us with gifts to minister effectively your love, your acceptance, and your life-changing power. I ask you, Lord, to heal bodies, heal souls, renew minds, restore lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, go with your people. May your face shine upon them. May you be gracious to them. And may you give them your peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We're here to pray for you. If you must go, you're free to go. Uh, don't rush off. If you want to visit, visit out in the foyer while people are receiving ministry.